Well, if you have your Bibles, if you would, go ahead and turn it to the book of Psalm. Psalm chapter number 39. Psalm chapter number 39. And while you all are turning there, if I can have Brother Kevin, sorry if you could come back up here real quick and help me with this table. But we're going to start off in Psalm chapter number 39. I've entitled the message tonight, Urgency or Emergency, as maybe we change it to this morning. But I know some of y'all might be thinking what that is about. And I'll share that with you here in just a few moments as we're going to read Psalm chapter number 39. We're going to start reading in verse number one of Psalm chapter number 39. If you're there, say amen. 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 All right. Y'all are pretty fast. Okay. Psalm chapter number 39. Let's go ahead and start reading in verse number one. This is what the Bible says. It says, I said, I will take heed to my ways that I sin not with my tongue. I will keep my mouth with a bridle while the wicked is before me. I was dumb with silence. I held my peace even from good. And my sorrow was stirred. My heart was hot within me while I was musing the fire burned. Then spake I with my tongue, Lord, make me to know my end and the measure of my days, what it is, that I may know how frail I am. Behold, thou hast made my days as a handbreadth, and mine age is as nothing before thee. Verily, every man at his best state is altogether vanity. Selah. Verse 6. Surely, every man walketh in a vain show. Surely, they are disquieted in vain. He heapeth up riches, and knoweth not who shall gather them. And now, Lord, what wait I for? My hope is in thee. Let's pray. Father, I love you and I'm thankful for another opportunity just to be able to be behind this pulpit. And it's a big responsibility, Lord. I understand that. And so I do ask for your Holy Spirit. Lord, you know how much I need it every single time I get up behind here, Lord. I just want to speak with clarity. I know the message here you put on my heart. And I just want to be able to get that across, Lord, of what you're just trying to teach me in these last couple of months and weeks, Lord. And I just pray that it would be a blessing. And Father, I do pray all the time that when your word is open... And I'm just a messenger, that if there's someone here tonight who's being spoken to, and something here that needs to be changed, Lord, help them to look in this mirror, and help them to see that blemish and fix it before they leave. Lord, let us not leave the same the way we entered. Help us to be different, help us to be changed. And Lord, I do pray, as I'm speaking about urgency, that if there's someone here tonight who's, who does not know you as their Savior, well then, Father, I just pray that even tonight, before they leave, they would see that they need to do it tonight because you and I are not promised tomorrow. And I just pray that they would respond to that call even tonight. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Well, I'm thankful once again for the opportunity. And every time I try to remember at least, but I forget a lot. But every time I try to remember, I just want to say every time before I start that I give the glory all back to God. And I, my life verse is 1 Corinthians 15 says, 15.10. And it says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than the all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. And I just encourage each and every single one of you, it is not easy getting up here and doing this, but I'm thankful that the Lord uh, uh, is, is using me in the way that he is. But I just want to encourage you. God knows uh, who I was, and to, for him to call me to do things like this, I know he has a sense of humor. And I just encourage you that um, if, if there's something God calling you to do, just do it. 
It's fun, it's enjoyable, and it's a blessing. You just never know what's going to come from it. So I just want to encourage you with that. Now, tonight I've entitled the message, Urgency. Maybe for some uh, that didn't make sense. So I, I went ahead and, and expanded it. And that, this is why I'd say living urgently, if that helps. Maybe, I don't know, but we'll get into that. Living urgently. And so what I want to talk about tonight is just simply having a mindset that we are on borrowed time. We need to be living this life urgently. It is necessary to be doing everything we do for Christ, and we need to do it now. Not tomorrow, not in the next week, not even in 2022. Today, we need to do it. And so that's what I want to talk to you all about today. And uh, how many of you guys have ever been in a rush before? Anybody ever been in a rush? Anybody ever run late to something before or seen somebody run late to something? That's pretty funny to see. When you're in a rush yourself, it's, oh, man, but when you see other people in a rush, sometimes it's kind of funny to see. Uh, there's a TV show. It used to be at least on TV. How many of you have ever heard of A Minute to Win It? Anybody ever heard of that? Wow, a couple of y'all. Anybody ever play on that show before? Anybody? No. A Minute to Win It. It was a game show, uh, uh, you know, on TV kind of like the price is right. You know, you get contestants, they come up, and, and I don't know exactly how they're chosen, but in this TV show, uh, the whole point of this game is exactly what the title is, A Minute to Win It. There'd be a various amount of games that people would have to play, and they would only have one minute to complete the challenge successfully. To complete the sa uh, challenge successfully. And so, uh, just for illustration's sake, I do want to play and try one of those here this evening. Is there anybody who has a good set of lungs this evening? Anybody have a good set of lungs here? Where are my teens at? You all have a better set of lungs, huh? Zaniah? Zaniah, you want to try? Zaniah, come on down here. One of my teens. All right, Zaniah, come on down here. Now, she's going to try a, a game here. I'm going to pull out my phone, and I'm going to set a timer. There's an illustration for this. I have a point to this, okay? Uh, <clears throat> now, in this game, what I'm going to do is I'm going to set all these cups, or at least some of them, Kind of get them ready here, just like this. And now you can stand right here behind the table. Okay? I'll give you a couple here. We'll do about this much. Okay? Now, what I'm going to do here is I'm going to set on my phone a timer for one minute. And here's what I want, Zania. Here's what I want you to do. When I say start, all I want you to do is to grab one of these balloons. Okay? And I want you to blow up the balloon. And after there's air within the balloon, what I want you to do is using the air within the balloon, try to blow each cup off this table and try to get them all done here in just within one minute. You think you could do that? Yeah. Do you all think she can do that? Maybe a couple of you, maybe. All right. Well, we'll see. All right. I'm just going to set a timer here for one minute. When I say go, you're going to try to blow up that balloon as quickly as possible and try to get these cups off that table. You ready? All right. You got one minute to win it. All right. Here we go. On your mark, get set, go. One minute. Well, that was pretty quick. I kind of struggled with blowing up the balloons, so you got that part pretty quick down. All right, that's got one, two, couple more here. You got 45 seconds. 45 seconds. Wow, not bad. Man, probably should have chosen somebody worse than that. She's going to complete it. 35 seconds, 35 seconds left. Four more left, four more left. Two at a time. You got a strategy here. I see that. Nice. 30 seconds left, 25 seconds left. Nice, with 20, 20 seconds to spare, 20 seconds to spare. And Brother Ross, Brother Kevin, if you could come up here real quick, you just leave that there and just help me kind of move this table to the side. She did that with about 20 seconds left 
to spare, which isn't bad. That's pretty good. I probably should have put more there. It would have been a little bit harder. If you all could just move it out of the way of the side, at least from the altar, okay? But 20 seconds left. That's not bad. Now, <clears throat> how many of y'all think that she maybe, maybe, okay, maybe not? I think it would have been treated differently if I said, you know what, Zaniah? Instead of having one minute, I'll give you 24 hours to try to blow those cups off the table. And she would have thought, well, I don't need to do it now. And then I got 24 hours. Maybe I'll wait till after the service because I'm hungry. I want to go eat some dinner. So maybe I'll go to Peach Wave right after, get some ice cream, then come back, go to sleep. I mean, I got 24 hours. I don't have until the next uh, 6 o'clock of tomorrow, Monday, to get those off. And so she might have put it off, procrastinated about it. And, you know, sometimes we see that. Time is really important to you and I. And it can really do something to our brain. When you and I sometimes feel like we have more time, we tend to procrastinate with that time. When you and I tend to find out that we have less time, we end up doing things urgently and in a rush. Because it's just that. We have less time. And when we read the scripture here, David is asking God to remind him how short life is. That's what he's writing here in the Bible with these verses. That he's asking God to remind him how short this life is. David is asking God to remind him how short his time, his time on earth is. And let me read that verse in verse number five. It says, or verse number four, it says, Lord, make me to know my end and the measure of my days what it is. Why? That I may know how frail I am. When he studied that out, how frail I am, what that is, is that I may know how much time I have here on earth. Lord, please help me to know my end. Please help me to think and contemplate when this life is going to finish. Let me know what my time is on this earth. And you may be thinking, well, what, why? What is that going to do for David, knowing how much time he has left on earth? And we'll get to that point. But I want to share a couple other verses here with you that talk about the same thing. In James chapter number 4, verse number 13, the Bible says, Go to now, ye that say to, today or tomorrow we will go into such a city... And continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But now ye rejoice in your boastings, all such rejoicing is evil. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth not to him it is sin. Another passage, Psalm chapter 90, verses 10 through 12, it says, The days of our years are threescore years and ten, about seventy. And if by reason of strength, in other words, if through God's mercy, maybe we'll live up to be about eighty years old, yet is there strength, labor, and sorrow, for it is soon cut off, and we fly away. Who knoweth the power of thine anger? Even according to thy fear, so is thy wrath. And the same idea says this, So teach us to number our days. Teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. And so you see this idea throughout the Bible here of making it known to ourselves, making sure that we number our days, making sure we don't boast in our tomorrow because we don't know what's going to happen, allowing God to share with us and remind us that our time on this earth is limited. It is not going to last forever here physically on the earth, but praise the Lord, it's going to be in eternity. We'll be there forever. And I'm thankful for Brother Peebles, who's up there with the Lord. Right. Yeah, his time was limit, limited here physically on the earth, but now he's in eternity with the Lord. Right. But we're talking about physically, physically here on the earth. Our time does have an end. 
And in all these passages, we have the same idea that our life is short, it's limited, it's here and it's gone, and we want God to teach us how to number our days. We want God to show us, make me know my end. Help me not to have this mindset that I'm going to be here forever. And you say, well, what can that do? You know, you and I, it's not natural for us to think about the end of our lives. I don't think anybody wakes up this morning thinking, well, I wonder how my life is going to end today. I wonder how my life is going to end in the next week. We don't contemplate the end of our life. What we usually do is we contemplate our present day. We contemplate what we see, what's going on around us. We don't think about the future and the end. Most of us, majority, naturally, we don't tend to. We like to think more about the present. And this is why, if you read in Psalm 39, those two key words, look at verse number four again. It says, Lord, and then what are the next two words? And in Psalm 39, it says, Lord, make me, he said, make me to know my end. Why would God have to make David know his end? Because that's not something David naturally would think about. I mean, think about David. He was a mighty king. He built a mighty kingdom. Maybe he had a lot of wealth, riches, and a lot of things, and that maybe distracted him. And he had to go back to the Lord and say, hey, remind, make me. Because I don't like to naturally just think of this life ending. I like to think that it's going to be here forever. I mean, I have my kingdom. Lord, you sent me as king. Here's what I'm doing. I need you, God, to make me. Because on my own, I will not naturally contemplate the end of this time that I have on earth. So, Lord, please make me. He was probably so caught up in his kingdom that he forgot that this is all temporary. Sometimes like we do. We get so caught up and consumed in this world that we forget it's all temporary. And uh, Matthew 6, 19 through 21, you don't have to turn there. It says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. And then here it is, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And maybe his heart was in his physical kingdom and not where it should be. Where, where should it be? Well, according to Colossians 3, 2, it says, If you then be risen in Christ, which I will believe most of us here are risen with Christ. We're Christians. We've been born again. And then it says, Instead of seeking those things on earth, seek those things which are above. Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God, set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For you are dead, and your life is hid with Christ and God. And so we see where the Bible even teaches where David had to say, Lord, make me. Because it's natural for us to think that we have time. And when we think that we have time, we tend to put things off that need to get done today. I'm the master of that. And so as a result, we go through life coasting casually with no sense of urgency in this life. We're just going by. There's nothing priority we need to get done. We're just living through. And when we're done, we're done. I don't believe that's how God wants us to live this life. I don't believe that's how a Christian should live his life on earth. I believe a Christian should have the mindset of eternity. I believe that every single day we ought to be living urgently. And, and, and I'll, I'll get to some things here of what, what we need to have in our mind. But to just to be casually and, and coasting through life, I don't believe it's something that God wants us to do. We need to be wise stewards of our time, the time that God has given us. And so with that in mind, I want, to take, I want us to take a couple of passages to look, look at a couple of these and get an example of our very own Savior, Jesus Christ, and how he lived his life urgently. If you would, I want you to go to the book of Luke right now. Book of Luke, chapter number 2. You know that Christ, since he was a child, lived urgently with things that he needed to get done. In Luke, chapter number 2, 
I want you to start reading with me Luke chapter number 2 and look with me at verse number 42. Luke chapter number 2 and verse number 42. Look at how old he was. Jesus. Luke chapter 2 verse 42. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. And when they had fulfilled the days as they returned, the child of Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem... And Joseph and his, Mary and, and his mother knew it not of it. But they, supposing him to have been in the company, went a day's journey, and they sought him among their kinsfolk and acquaintance. And when they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem, seeking him. And it came to pass that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers, and when they saw him, they were amazed. And his, mother and, and his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. Why did you leave us? Why were you here? For, for three days we've been looking for you. Why did you do this? And in verse number 49, Jesus, he said unto them, How is it that ye sought me? Wist ye not that I must be about my father's business? You see the urgency there? Listen, I know I'm 12 years old, but you can't tell me now. I know I'm 12 years old. I know, Mom and Dad, you've been looking for me, but you may not understand. I need to do this. I, I cannot put this off. I'm going to be doing this. I must be, must be about my father's business. Even when Jesus was 12 years old, he was urgently living, not just casually going through. I need to be here in this temple during this very present moment. You don't understand. I'm going to be here. This is what I'm going to do. That's when he was 12 years old. I want you to go to um, John chapter number 9 now. John chapter number 9 in the New Testament. John chapter number 9. That was when he was younger. Now he's a little bit older here. He's grown up in John chapter number 9. <clears throat> we're going to start reading from verse number 1. What we're looking at is we're looking at passages of Jesus where he was very urgent in his lifestyle. Not casually just going through, I must be about my father's business. This is my priority. Look at John chapter number nine, and then look at verse number one. It says, And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his par parents, that he was born blind? Verse number three, Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned, nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. And you ready here? Next two verses. I must, there it is again, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day, because the night is coming when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And so you see that Jesus knew that his time on earth was short. Jesus knew that time was of the essence. Jesus understood when we can technically say his actual ministry started right after the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights tempted of the devil. And when he came out about, that's what we will claim his ministry started, that he understood he only had about three years to make as much of an impact on this world as he could. Only three years. And he knew that. And that's why he said, you're coming to me, you're coming to me, that's coming to me. But I'm going to ignore all that because I need to be about my father's business. I don't got time for that. Time is of the essence. 
I need to go to, I must needs go through Samaria. I need to go preach the gospel. I need to go. You don't understand. I only have three years to do this. My life is short. My time is short. I cannot waste it. I, this is urgent. I need to get this done because it is still day and the night is coming, the Bible says, where no man can work. And as a result, we see his life truly reflected that kind of lifestyle. The lifestyle that says, I'm not here forever. This life is temporary. This physical life will come to an end. He made the will of his father a priority, not the things of this world. And he was saying something along the lines of, I don't know about you all, but I don't have forever to live on earth. But I know this much, as long as I'm in the world, I'm going to be the light of the world. I don't know how long that is, but I don't have time to waste. I don't know how long that is. And, and that's the reality of it, is David could ask God, show me, make me to know my end. But honestly, like, like uh, we read, we can't boast in tomorrow. I don't know how long I have left. For all I know, this could be the last sermon I preach. Next, next time I preach could be the last. I don't know tomorrow. And for that very reason, I must work the works and be about the business of my father. Because at any moment, this life is a vapor and I could be gone. You could be gone at any moment. And you and I obviously, I believe, have the heart that, that, that would say, Lord, when I die, I don't want to hear that wicked and slothful servant. I want to hear faithful, well done. You've, you've been faithful of the many things I've given you. I'm going to give you even more now. That's what we desire. And I believe if we truly desire that, well, our life isn't going to be lived casually. We're going to look like Christians that we got things to do. We got places to be, people to meet, so many things. And so we just look at the life of Jesus Christ and we see an example of that. So what did Jesus' sense of urgency cause him to do or how to live? And I think the same thing about us. And I have three things here, and we'll be done for tonight. It says, we also, you and I, understand that we also must work the works of him that sent us. We've been called. We are the light of this world. We're the salt of the earth. The city that's set on a hill cannot be hid. We may be the only hope that this world has. And I don't know about you, but I wonder how different your life would be. I wonder how different you'd live your life if you knew you only had three years left in your ministry. Like Jesus understood before he was crucified and given up to be crucified, beaten beyond measure, he knew that time was of the essence and he wasn't going to let anything stop him from doing the will of God. You and I also must work the works of him that sent us. We are the light of this world. And honestly, I don't believe we have much time left. We see the state of this country. We know the perilous times, the last days. And we don't have much time left. The night is coming, the Bible says. The night is coming. We don't have time to waste. We must work the works of our Father. Now, here are some three things tonight. Here's what I want to look at. Knowing, speaking about Jesus, Jesus knowing that he didn't have forever to live, here's what he did in urgency. Jesus knew, knowing that he didn't have forever to live, number one, he preached the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What I want you to do is turn with me at Matthew chapter number three. Matthew chapter number three. Just a couple of books there over. Matthew chapter number three. Jesus, knowing he didn't have forever to live, his time on earth, his physical life, his time on earth was short. It was numbered. His, his days were numbered. There was an end to it. He preached the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So what I want you to do is look with me at Matthew chapter three and verse number one. It says, 
In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now go to Matthew chapter number 4, maybe just the next page. Matthew chapter number 4. Look at verse 17. From that time, speaking about the very, very beginning of his early ministry here, from that time Jesus began. What did he start to do? He preached to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then go to Matthew chapter number 10. A couple more pages over. Matthew chapter number 10. Jesus in his ministry, we see it, Matthew, Mark, Luke, the synoptic gospels here. That when Jesus first began his ministry, he already, right off the bat, hey, repent, 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 repent. I got three years, repent. I don't have time, I'm not going to be here, and I'm going to try to lead you as, as many to me as I possibly can. Repent, repent, urgently. That was his first message. He started out, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then he passed on that message, and now we have the same message. Go to Matthew chapter number 10. And in the first couple of verses, it's talking about how he chose his disciples. But look at verse number 5. It says, These twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles, and into any city of the Samaritans enter ye not. But go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. The very same message that I was preaching in the beginning of my ministry, you all need to do that where you're going. He's sending his disciples. And so knowing, Jesus knowing that he had about three years in his, in his earthly ministry when he was, I know he, he did a lot of things from when he was born, but in his three years in that ministry, knowing he didn't have forever, what was one of the things he did urgently? is constantly preach the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And that's the command he gave to us, to go out into the world and to preach the same thing. The kingdom of heaven, it's close, it's near. You don't have any time to waste. Repent today. Today, he said, the kingdom of heaven, repent today. Don't put this off because you can be that very next life that slips right into eternity. And so he preached that and he shared with us that we need to preach it too. The same exact message, repent today, not tomorrow, not a week. Don't boast in your next week. I'll do that next week. I'll do that next Sunday. You don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. So do it today. We preach that. And I think about, when I was looking at these verses, I thought about 2 Timothy. You don't have to turn there. But 2 Timothy chapter number 4, verses 2 through 4 says this, I charge thee, therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine, and then the sad and fortunate is, why? why? Why do all this? Why preach the word? Why be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort? Why do all these things with long suffering? Because it says here, the very next verse, the time will come. There will be a time when they, this world and unbelievers, will not endure sound doctrine. <laughs> I feel like we're there already. They will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. They shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. You know, I've, I've been talking about false philosophies with some of the seniors in the school. And there are so many things that are out to get these teenagers. So many philosophies, so many cults, and so many different things that are pulling their attention. And the Bible says there will be a time where they're just not going to listen to this anymore. They're going to want to hear what fits their lifestyle. They're going to want to hear something that makes them comfortable, something that gets the itch. And they're not going to listen to the Bible. I personally think we're there already. I know God can do a work, though, because he's God. 
the gospel still works. But if the time hadn't come yet, don't you think we ought to be preaching before that time comes? Because the night's coming where no man can work. The time is coming where they're going to have itching ears. Let's get to them before that moment where there's an urgency. You see that? There's an urgency. We have to do it today. We have to go be given the gospel, uh, leading people to Christ, because that time will come where they'll have itching ears. And after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers. They shall turn away their ears from the truth, and they shall be turned unto fables. That's one thing that Jesus said, knowing he did not have physical life on earth forever to live, he preached with urgency, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent today. Do it today, before that time is too late. Number two, Jesus knowing that he didn't have forever to live, he, number two, made fishers of men. He made disciples. So number one, he preached the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And number two, knowing he didn't have forever to live, he made fishers of men. He made disciples. Matthew chapter number four, if you're in Matthew already, go, to, go ahead and go to chapter number four. Matthew chapter number four, and look at verse number, just for context sake, let's go to verse number 17 where we just looked. I mean, this is right back to back. Matthew chapter four, verse 17, it says, from that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. Jesus saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Go to 2 Timothy, if you would. I want you to see this first. Go to 2 Timothy, chapter number 2. 2 Timothy chapter number 2. As I think about making fishers of men, this is what I thought of here, and then I'll explain this point here. 2 Timothy chapter number 2. Look at me at verse number 1. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 1. It says, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. Now, he's kind of like a blueprint right here of this ministry that we have of reconciliation that the Bible says. Here's what I want you to do. What I want you to do is go out, say, repent today, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Bring them in under your flock. Disciple them. Make them a fisher of men, because that day is going to come where you're gone, and who's going to take up your mantle? Who's going to take up your place? I don't have time to waste. Yes, they're saved, but now let's get them readily in doctrine, biblical sound doctrine, because that time is of the essence. I'm not going to be here forever, and if I don't teach them, who's going to help them? If I don't teach them the, the, this generation, who's going to teach the next generation? And that's what it is here. Commit thou to faithful men who in turn shall be able to teach others also. That's the blueprint. You get them saved, you disciple, they grow then they lead someone to the Lord. They disciple, they grow. And that's how we get this from generation to generation to generation. But if we're not doing that, if we're casual about it, coasting, we're going to lose the next generation. Who are we going to have? What faithful men are we going to have to preach the word of God? If we're not going out there and discipling them, we need another generation. We need another people who's going to lead up that mantle when this one is gone. And if nobody's doing it, where's that generation going to be? Who's going to be the next faithful man to take up that mantle? He says, commit it thou. And so what, he, what did he do in an urgency? He preached the kingdom of heaven is at hand. 
He preached that he's going to make fishers of men, disciple them, and bring them in so that when he's gone, because remember Jesus ascended 40 days, he didn't stay on earth forever. And in Acts chapter number one, verse eight, he says, I'm going to give you power after that. The Holy Ghost has come upon you. And then now you're witnesses. And now Peter, James, and John, and Paul are all dead. And then there were other witnesses that held up the mantle. And then they taught and other people held up the mantle. And now we eventually get to us and we got to keep it going. But it's a sense of urgency because if we're not doing this, this, we're going to lose it. We're going to lose it. If nobody else is discipling, who's going to be the next faithful person who's going to be able to teach others also? Nobody. That's us. That's where we come in. It's a sense of urgency. It's not something casual. We can just say, oh, we'll get to it. It'll come. No, it's going to happen today through God's help, in God's timing, understand. But we got to be going out there and planting and watering so that he can do the increase. Because if we're not planting and watering, where's the increase going to come from? <laughs> There's going to be no increase if no one's planting and watering. So knowing that Jesus didn't have forever to live, number one, he preached the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Knowing his time was of the essence, he made fishers of men who can take up the mantle and teach, be faithful and teach others also. And lastly, knowing that Jesus didn't, didn't have forever to live, lastly, he chose with his life to please God and not man. To please God. Go to John chapter number 8. Turn to several passages here tonight. John chapter number 8. John chapter number 8, and I want you to look with me at verse number 28. John chapter number 8 and verse number 28 says this, Then said Jesus unto them, John chapter 8, verse 28, Then said Jesus unto them, When ye have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall ye know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things. Verse 29, And he that sent me is with me, the Father hath not left me alone, and then here it is, for I do what? Sometimes, most of the time, I do always those things that please Him. And that's what He's going to continue to do until He died on the cross. I mean, He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do on the cross. I'm sure that was pleasing to the Father. To the day He died, He pleased the Father. And that's something that you and I need to be doing in urgency. Why? Because judgment is coming for us Christians, not for our sin, but rewarding. Or are we going to have wood, hay, and stubble, knowing we did nothing for Christ, knowing that we didn't please Him? That's why it's urgent, because if we look at Thessalonians chapter number 4, which you don't have to turn there, in chapter number 5, it talks about, listen, the coming of the Lord is, is it's, it's here. We're, we're in these last days. He's coming again. He resurrected. He's on the right hand of God. He's making mansions, and He's going to come back to receive us into Himself. And so that's, that, that's happening in, in, in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5. It talks about how we are not to be the children of the dark, but we are children of the day. We ought to be watchmen looking and be prepared for when that day is coming. And we ought to be pleasing the Lord until that moment, constantly looking for ways and fixing things in our lives. Because all of us are not perfect, including myself. We'll never die being perfect. That means we always have room to grow. Constantly ought to be pleasing the Lord in the things that we do. Now, we know because of Romans chapter number 7, Paul says, The things that I do want to do, I don't end up doing. The things that I don't want to do, I end up doing. And I know we have a flesh. But as much as we possibly can, according to Galatians 5, we walk in the Spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Our goal is to please God, and that's what we ought to be doing with urgency, knowing that a judgment for us is coming, knowing that the beam of seed of Christ is, is, is coming to us. That's not something to be casual about. 
That's not something to take lightly. That's something that with urgency, I better be pleasing my Lord today because for I know tomorrow could be my, that beam of seed of Christ. I need to be constantly pleasing, pleasing the Lord. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse number 1 says this, Furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as ye have received of us how ye ought to walk and please God, so you would abound more and more. And so as we look at these verses, my simple thought is this here tonight, that we all need to come with the grips, and, and if we haven't yet, to be asking the Lord like David did, Lord, please help me, make me to know my end. Teach me to number my days. Remind me again that this is all temporary, and I have things that I need to be doing. My father's business. I have things that I need to be preaching, things that I need to be people to be discipling, things to be changing in my life so that it's pleasing to you constantly, because before I know it, I'm going to be gone. I know in the blink of an eye, the older I get, I guess time just goes by like that, and it just it happens. And before, before we all know it, we'll be in eternity. And I know that we want to serve the Lord and please Him. And maybe here just tonight, some of us, uh, including myself, just need to pray, Lord, help me, make me, and remind me this is temporary. Lord, help me to be preaching with urgency. I'm going to be going out there as much as possible, knowing that the kingdom of heaven, it's at hand, it's nearby, you're coming back. Help me to be making disciples for the next generation. Help me to be preaching, teaching a word, and pleasing you always and as much as I possibly can. And all these three things I believe Jesus did with urgency and more, but just three things even here tonight that I believe many of us could probably work on. Let's pray.